Hello, New Life Downtown. Let's stand, let's sing, let's lift high in the name of Jesus this morning. That the highest king would welcome me. I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, it's Who we are, yes, I am chosen, not for 
so good to be together. All of those joining online, it's great to have you. I love that song we just sang, I'm a child of God. What a beautiful declaration, beautiful promise given to us that we could be called children of God. Can we just like live in that for just a second? Just the truth of that, how amazing it is. We could be called children of God. I actually have a, a one-year-old one right now, one-year-old child in the home. Some of you guys know that struggle. Um, <laughs> his name's Levi. And actually a lot of you guys have been praying for Levi lately. So I'm really, really appreciative of that. Thank you for that. Um, man, we're grateful for this community. But Levi, he's such a gift to our family. He's, he's, it can be a tornado sometimes, you know, bringing destruction everywhere he goes. But he brings so much joy, so much fun, so much delight. And he does this thing that absolutely melts my heart. He'll run up to me sometimes with his arms stretched up. He'll look up as high as he can at me and he'll say, Dada, hold you, hold you, hold you. <laughs> it's his way of saying he wants me to pick him up. He wants to be held. And every time he does it, it just it's a beautiful picture of the kingdom for me. Because we are but children, right? We have our limits. There's only so much we can do on our own. And when we reach those limits, we realize we need something bigger than ourselves. We need something beyond ourselves. And so we're invited into this place of surrender, of saying, here I am, God, hold me. When everything else is falling around, falling down around me, I need you to hold me together. You're the God who holds all things together. So hold us, Lord, hold us, Father. That's our prayer. Psalm 118 says, in the day of distress, I cried to the Lord like a child. I cried to the Lord. He heard me and he brought me to a spacious place. I love that picture, a spacious place. And that's my prayer for us this morning, that as we worship our Father in heaven, we would experience, we would taste the freedom of God as he holds on to us and we hold on to him, that we would experience the freedom of God. So I wanna invite you today, family, just as a, as a posture of desperation, of dependency, of surrender, to lift your hands up to our Father. And we can say together, Lord, we need you. 
Lord, we need you. Hold us together. Hold us, Father. When everything else is falling around us, you're the one who holds all things together. We need you. Can we say that together? Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Come, Holy One. Come, Holy One.
we cry out to him together today. We're reaching out, Father in heaven. We're reaching out. We know our limits. And we know that you're eternal. We run to you in our weakness because we know you're our strength and our brokenness because we know that you're whole. this together hear us from heaven 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 we're crying out hear us from heaven
When death had claimed its victory The king of love had given up his life The darkest day in history
Jesus, we stand in awe of you today. And we are so unbelievably grateful. There's that line in that song that gets me every time. It says, one miraculous breath. And everything changed. Jesus, your death and resurrection changed everything and continues to change everything. And so we hail you, King Jesus, the risen one, the risen King. We hail you. we ask that your resurrection power would continue to break forth in our lives, continue to break forth in our church, continue to break forth in this room, continue to break forth in our city, in our state, in our country, in our world. The resurrection power of Jesus change everything. And pray all these things in your name. And all God's people said... Amen. Amen. New Life Downtown, you may be seated. Middle school, we love you. Have a great time uh, this morning. Thanks for worshiping with us. Friends, in just a couple weeks, uh, New Life Downtown will turn 12 years old. Uh, Yeah, we're almost teenagers. Uh, We're like preteen right now, a preteen church. Uh, But we're going to get there, uh, teenagers, soon. Uh, But wasn't it great to have Abby back with us this morning? Abby, for those of you who are newer to our community, Abby was our worship leader for most of the first six years of uh, our time together as a congregation. She now leads primarily at Friday night and sometimes at North, but we get her back every once in a while. So Abby, so great to be with you. And we have a couple of other special guests uh, here tonight. I want to invite Jim and Martha. To come up this morning. Okay, I'm going to pull myself together. Um, Jim and Martha were part of the part of the team that helped launch New Life Downtown. They were part of Sunday nights before we were ever New Life Downtown, and we're down here for the first ten and a half years uh, and served in basically every capacity. Um, I think at some point along the way, welcome team and ushers and Martha was on staff, and they launched our first year uh, ministry program and did a lot of mentoring and care and served in our wisdom council. And, I, and if I go longer. Um, We'll be here for the whole service just talking about all the things uh, that they did. About a year and a half ago, uh, they felt an opportunity to move to Montana, a long dream of theirs uh, coming true. Uh, But right before the move, um, had found out that Jim had battled various melanoma spots for a long time. I think the whole time that I've known you, and most of it was surgery and move forward. Um, And this time it was different. Um, And so they're back to celebrate um, some of the good things that God's done in their lives in the last year. So I wanted them to be able to come and share with you guys this morning. Thank you. Hey, friends. Good morning. Martha and I are so grateful to be here today 
because I'm alive today and I can thank Jesus for that. So Jason is right. It was with our dreams before us some 15 months ago that we um, headed out of Colorado and headed up to uh, fulfill something we had held in our hearts for a while that God had begun to really stir. And that was to relocate to a small ranch in the valley in Bozeman, Montana. And people at our stage of life, we, we don't do those kinds of things. Like you don't pick up roots and leave a community here. New Life Downtown celebrates uh, 12 years since our first service on that Palm Sunday morning uh, at the little chapel down the road here in Colorado Springs. That was a beautiful start. But we started out again on our own. Uh, and as we moved, our hearts looked back to you all with thanksgiving uh, and longing. We loved our time here with y'all. But change was ahead, but not the change we thought. The news of our change arrived in two life-changing phone calls. The first one, literally the movers were still at the home. They were still loading boxes into the ranch house. And the medical team in Colorado called and said... We have found a tumor. We have found a cancerous tumor. How fast can you be on the plane and back here to Colorado Springs for surgery? Um, and, uh, and so we immediately re returned back to Colorado and began that process and had what we thought was a successful surgery in December of 2022. <laughs> Thankfully, the story doesn't end there. But the valley laid ahead of us. So the second phone call, the one that knocked us flat as we tumbled into a dark valley that we were unfamiliar with. Um, the surgery was successful, but the cancer had already spread into the lymph system within my body. And so once again, we needed to immediately return to begin cancer treatments. Those treatments, that immuno, chemoimmunotherapy treatment would run 18 cycles. 18 cycles long for the entire year of 2023. And we went every three weeks, ultimately, to the Cancer Treatment Center, the best in the country, down at MD Anderson, down in Houston. And I walked onto that campus... I thought, this isn't the place I expected to be. Martha and I thought, this isn't how this story was supposed to be written. This, this can't be the end and how it occurs. But we were there nonetheless and surrounded to our left and to the right by some amazing medical teams, incredible staff, and a lot of people seeking treatment. It was in the depths of this journey. To I be honest with y'all? that finding God's presence was difficult. Yes, I knew, Martha and I knew in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, that he was there. But in my humanness, finding him was difficult. Yet, yet y'all, it was you. It was each one of you that made his presence known. See, started with a few and then a few more, 
and then some more. And soon that valley wasn't so lonely anymore. Okay? It was your light, your being the gospel of Christ. You wrote, you called, you sent texts, you sent cards, you encouraged, you sent prayers. You met us in practical ways, every way that you can. But most of all, you showed us the tangible nature of who our Father God is as you lined that course. And so, it was four weeks ago that I stepped across a finish line. And then I had my last treatment, and I am standing here today with no cancer found currently in my body. And for that, I can give God thanks. When Jason asked if we would just stand before you and give God some glory, I am so grateful to be back amongst friends, people that we have known for so many years. It is really home. And honestly, in our journey, I am both humbled and grateful for the faithfulness. As Jim said, we learned some new things. It was pretty dark. It was pretty lonely. And it really was probably the most difficult time in our lives as we battled his cancer together. I learned that God was okay sitting with me in my silence. He was there. I didn't know what to say. He knew my prayer. And he met me with his faithful love. While Jim is the cancer patient, there is a role on the caregiver that I never realized either. I would sit with Jesus in my loneliness, watching my husband receive his infusions, driving him back to the hotel, getting him tucked into bed because he was so sick. <laughs> and I heard Jesus say to me, I love you, but I'm not going to answer all your questions. And I learned something new in that too. But I am so grateful that Jesus has seen fit to give us more time together to grow old together. We always said we would. And I want to praise him. I want to serve him. And I am so humbled that he did give us the answer we were praying for. And it's given me a new heart to pray for any of you that hasn't yet quite received that answer. But as Jesus said to me, I love you. And I had to rest in that almost 15 months. I've grappled with a new sense of perspective. Our life here on earth does have bookends. There is a beginning and an end on earth. But eternity is before us. And that is a joy to live each new day full of hope and to give God glory for the time he has given back to us. So thank you.
Jesus, we pray for Jim and Martha and we give thanks to you today for the gift of their lives and the gift of continued life. I thank you for the ways that they have met them in the darkest of, that you have met them in the darkest of valleys and brought your presence and your peace and your power to them. And for everyone here that is finding, that finds themselves in that same place, in a dark place, in a quiet place, in a place filled with questions and doubts and fears and anxieties, a place that seems more marked by your absence than by your presence. I pray that you would bring hope today, that you would whisper the very things to those of us in that place today that you whispered to Jim and Martha, that your love would be made known, that your presence would be made manifest and the hope of eternity, the hope of resurrection would take deep root in our souls. We pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Love you guys. <laughs> oh. couple quick announcements that I completely forgot because Jim and Martha were here. If you're new or visiting with us today, thanks for being here. We're so glad you're here. We'd love for you to fill out a guest card, stop by the welcome area after service. We can give you uh, a gift and meet you and answer any questions that you might have. Uh, And this coming Wednesday, we launch into the season of Lent. So our Ash Wednesday service is this coming Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. here. Uh, As long as we don't get snowed out, we'll be here. Yes, that is also Valentine's. Valentine's Day, um, but you celebrate that another time. You know, just come uh, and Ash Wednesday on Sunday. Uh, we have a moment now to uh, give thanks to God and to hear his scriptures together. One of the ways that we give thanks is by returning a portion of what he's given to us back to him as in tithes and offerings. So if you'd like to give uh, the ways to give, they're there on the screen. But let's now take a moment to prepare our hearts as we hear the scriptures proclaimed to us this morning. Good morning, my name is Cor. Before I read, I want to just say a special thanks to Jim and Martha. Um, Brenda and I, with some fear and trepidation this past September, we stopped at their place in Montana between Jim's treatments. Set some fence posts and picked up a bunch of rocks out in the field, didn't we? On a hot day. (laughs) And Um, it was a day, of course, filled with mixed emotions, just knowing what was going on. I just want to thank you guys for letting us stay overnight with you and just be able to help you in a small way. Um, And Martha was the one who actually signed me up to be a scripture reader probably, what, (laughs) eight years ago? (laughs) So here I am. (laughs) Oh, all right. Let's turn to the word. Like I said, my name is Cor Vanderwell. The Old Testament reading today is found in Jeremiah 17, 21 to 25. Hold on a second. This catches up with you too. The Lord says, be on your guard not to carry a load on the Sabbath day or conduct business at the gates of Jerusalem. Do not carry a load from your houses or do any kind of work on the Sabbath day. 
Rather, keep the Sabbath day holy as I commanded your ancestors. Although they did not listen or pay attention, they were stubborn and would not obey or accept correction. If you are careful to obey me, declares the Lord, and don't conduct business at the gates of this city on the Sabbath day, if you keep the Sabbath day holy by not working, then through the gates of this city will come kings who occupy the throne of David and their officers, all riding on chariots and horses. They will be accompanied by the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, and this city will always be inhabited. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name is Ruth. Hi. The New Testament reading is found in Acts chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Then Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, answered, Leaders of the people and elders, are we being examined today because something good was done for a sick person? A good deed that healed him? If so, then you and all the people of Israel need to know that this man stands healthy before you because of the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. The word of the Lord. Thank you for standing. Hi, good morning. My name is Jossie. The gospel reading found in John 5, 5 through 9. A certain man was there who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, knowing that he already had been there a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? The sick man answered him, sir, I don't have anyone who can put me in the water when it is stirred up. When I'm trying to get to it, someone else has gotten in ahead of me. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Immediately, the man was well and he picked up his mat and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. The Gospel of the Lord. Our Lord Christ. Please remain standing with me as we pray for a moment. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, would you speak to us today through your word? Would you give us ears to hear and minds to understand, hearts to receive all that you have for us today, our gracious, kind, and loving Father? In your name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Oh, it's so good to be with you guys this morning. Hello to everybody who's watching online now or you're watching online later because you're uh, up in the mountains catching fresh powder this morning and you'll, you know, watch later. Probably tomorrow since it's also Super Bowl Sunday uh, tonight. Happy Super Bowl Sunday, which means we have to do a survey really quickly. Uh, how many Chiefs fans here? Yeah, some extreme Chiefs fans. I saw face paint and everything this morning. How many Niners fans? Okay, a handful. How many of you are just in it for the commercials? Okay. How many just in it for the food? 
All right, how many, it's the halftime show and you can't wait to see Usher perform? Oh, there's a smaller group, there's a, there's a few of you. How many of you are watching the Swift Bowl and uh, you're just trying to see, you know, if Taylor and Travis are gonna get engaged? You're just like, that's the only thing that's going on. No, a, f- a few of you, that's my teenage daughter uh, watching for that way. Either way, you're all welcome here um, at church. This is where people all come together from <laughs> various places. One of my one of my first Sundays here at New Life downtown, I love telling this story, but I watched someone wearing a Peyton Manning jersey serve communion to someone wearing a Tom Brady jersey. And I thought miracles happen. The church is, the church is a place of reconciliation where enemies are made friends in Jesus' name. Uh, but today is the fifth week in our series through the Gospel of John, one of the four ancient biographies of Jesus. The title of our series is Behold. This is an interjection that John uses often throughout his gospel, most of the time to call people to behold, to see and to consider this man, Jesus, this divine man, the Son of God who's come to live among us. Throughout John's gospel, he's inviting us to behold, to see, to look at, to consider Jesus. And then to believe in him, or as one scholar says, to believe into him, to let our lives be fully shaped and transformed by the person of of Jesus, and in doing so become new. And really, this is what we're doing every Sunday as we're gathering. We're gathered together with God's people to once again behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, to reconfess our belief in him, and to continue to receive the ongoing work of becoming new creations in Jesus that happens. Today we're going to be in John chapter 5, so if you have Bibles, you can turn there or you can follow along on your screen. You heard these words read just a second ago, but we're going to dive back in a little bit earlier into the text. John chapter 5 verse 1 says, after this, there was a Jewish festival and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem near the sheep gate in the north in the north city wall is a pool with the Aramaic name Bethsaida. It had five covered porches and a crowd of people who were sick and blind and lame and paralyzed sat there. Now we're not told exactly which festival this is. Later on we're told that it's the Sabbath, so likely this is just a gathering that's happening celebrating the Sabbath. We're going to say more about that in a minute. But there was a pool just to the north of the Temple Mount, just to the north of where the people would gather to worship. You can go and visit the place now. They've excavated the whole area. It's in a breathtaking kind of area of the city, but this area became known as a place of healing, a place where healing was available. And then depending upon the version of the Bible that you're reading, you may get an explanation of why. Uh, There's some Bibles that contain a fourth verse, some that don't. I'm going to say more about why that is in a second. But the fourth verse would read this way. Sometimes an angel would come down to the pool and stir up the water. And then the one going into the water after it had been stirred up was cured of any sickness. So the Jewish believers thought like, okay, this is what's happening. God's stirring up the waters through an angel. People get in the water and they're healed. We're not sure what the stirring up means, but there were pagans that would gather there as well. Other religions gathered. They would have their own stories about how this healing would come. Now, most modern versions of the Bible 
most modern translations don't include this verse. And the reason for that is because in the oldest and the best manuscripts that we have from the earliest days of the church, they don't include that verse in them. It was probably added later to help readers understand why are people jumping in this water? Like, I don't quite understand this story. And so it was probably added in a little bit later. Now, a really quick sidebar on that, because sometimes we can hear something like that and we're like, wait a minute, what do we do with those kinds of things? It's important to remember that we have nearly 6,000 Greek manuscripts of the New Testament from the first couple of centuries of the church. Nearly 6,000. If you include all of the other, like, other languages that it was translated into and fragments of the New Testament, that number jumps to 25,000 documents. That is substantially more than any other ancient text. Substantially more. And within those documents, there are some variations. There are some variations like this one. Some will suggest that because ancient manuscripts have very, very, uh, variations, that they aren't reliable and the Bible can't be trusted. But remarkably, when you look at those 25,000 documents, they are awe-inspiringly consistent, especially since these were all handwritten. There was no like copy machines, no Xerox, nothing that was happening along those lines. And the vast majority of those variations in no way affect the meaning of the text. They involve like an optional letter at the end of a word or various spellings of place names or people's names. There's very few of them that are to the degree that this one is. It's like, oh, this is a verse that's in some manuscripts and not in others. And there's entire disciplines of really nerdy people um, that love languages and love documents and biblical studies. It's an area called text criticism. And what they do is they pour over all of these to determine which one likely reflects the original. And then that's the one that makes it into the English translations that we have. So there's a whole kind of history and story behind all of that. If you want to know more, I'm going to post some uh, resources on our Facebook group page later on this week so you can know a little bit more. It's beautiful. It's breathtaking. And it's awe-inspiring how consistent the text is, how carefully preserved and handed down with great and meticulous care from one generation to the next. Okay, so now back to the story. Uh, that was like my nerd sidebar for all of those of you who, like me, like those things. Um, so that was for us. Um, John chapter 5, verse 5 says, a certain man was there who'd been there for 38 years. 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, knowing that he'd already been there a long time, he asked them, do you want to get well? Or in some translations, do you want to be well? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I don't have anyone to put me in the water when it's stirred up. And when I'm trying to get in, someone else has gotten in ahead of me. Here we're introduced to an unnamed man who's suffering for an extended duration. Some physical suffering that he's been enduring for 38 years. We don't know the specific condition. We don't know the cause. It's likely that it's affected his mobility. That's hence his inability to be able to get into the water before anyone else. And he's been lying by the pool for 38 years, hoping for a chance at healing. 38 years is a long time. Some of you in the room 
know that all too well. You know that kind of longing, that kind of waiting, that kind of suffering, the kind of something that just doesn't ever seem to end. The rest of us can try to imagine it because all of us have experienced some kind of suffering. No one in humanity is immune to suffering. We all have suffered. We all are all suffering. We all will suffer. It is part of the human condition, but maybe you or someone you know lives with a chronic condition a kind of pain or affliction that has just gone on for days and weeks and months or even years or decades. In some cases, the longer that we live with something like that, the more normal it becomes. And we learn to cope and sometimes even thrive. We build a resilience in us and some even find joy or hope in the pain. And when that happens, I think it's one of the ways that God's grace comes to us in the midst of suffering that it gives us the strength to endure and fills us with a hope as we wait for answered prayer and as we wait for resurrection. But in other cases, the persistence of something increases its misery. The longer it goes on, the harder it gets. It weighs on us, it wears on us, and it can become all-consuming. It can take a compounded toll on the sufferer and on all of those who are connected, every caretaker, families and friends and others who are coming alongside to walk the journey And most often, though, it can become so incredibly isolating that our suffering can isolate us from other people. We hear it even in his words, I don't have anyone. I don't have anyone. I don't have anyone who can put me in. Even for those of us that not suffering from a chronic physical condition can relate to the pain of that statement to the debilitating ache of loneliness that we can feel. The moments that we wake up and we go, I am all alone. I don't have anyone. No one knows what I'm going through. No one knows my life. No one knows me. Perhaps even today that feels a little bit more close to some of us as We're suffering maybe the significant loss of a relationship or the significant loss of the hope of a relationship or the loss of a dream or a hope for community or relationship that something has not materialized and the words of the man seem to echo just too true to our hearts. I don't have anyone who can put me in. The other thing he says is when I am trying to get in, when I'm trying to do it on my own, then someone else has gotten in ahead of me. We don't know how often that happened. We have no clue how often these waters are getting stirred up. If this is every day, and he's trying to get in, and day after day after day after day to no avail. Or if this is every week or every month or every year, we're not sure. But all we know is that every time that it gets stirred up, for those 38 years, someone else beat him to it. You just imagine the setting for a second where you have an entire group of people, a community of sufferers who are desperately competing for relief, who are desperately competing for the one chance to get in the water. There is something about the situation that just feels cruel. The lack of opportunity, the lack of resource, that this was the only place that healing could be found. We now marvel at 
modern medicine and even the treatments that we just heard about from Jim and Martha, the others that we have received, that we found through medicine and science, so many avenues which God's healing comes to us. But in this, there's a scarcity of opportunity. And it seems to be only the first person in. There's a situational cruelty. There's, there may also be a relational uh, cruelty. The lack of compassion. The lack of kindness from others. No one saying, hey, he's been here 38 years. Maybe it's his turn. Maybe we should all get together and help him in. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of that situation, 38 years sitting beside a pool, hoping, dreaming, struggling, striving, wrestling, agonizing for healing, and then Jesus shows up. And Jesus sees him and knows him and goes to him and he talks to him. I wonder how long has it been that since someone initiated a conversation with this man? How long has it been since someone looked him in the eye and began a conversation and talked to him about his life and what he's going through? This is one of the many gifts that Jesus offers in the New Testament is the gift of conversation, the gift of compassion, the gift of care, the gift of seeing, of knowing, of initiating. It's a gift that the church is called to offer one another all of the time. The gift of gathering together and turning to one another and saying the simple question, how are you? How is it with your soul? Is there anything that you need? The gift of following up, hey, last week you told me about this thing in your life. Could you tell me where that's at? Could you tell me what's going on? The gift of conversation, the gift of initiation, the gift of relationship, Jesus extends. But Jesus in this moment also asks him a deeply personal question. He goes to the man, he sees him, he knows him, and he asks him the question, do you want to be well? The Greek word there could also be translated, do you want to be whole? That occurs five times in this passage. The word wholeness, the word wellness. And when I initially read this, I'm like, why would Jesus ask him this? I mean, the nerve of some people. Would you imagine like sitting like, I've been here for 38 years. Of course I want to be well. Why are you asking me this question? But then I, then I wonder, does Jesus ask? Because it's, it's actually possible to answer that question, No. Is it possible to answer no to Jesus' offer to us of wholeness? If it's possible to answer no, then why would any of us do that? Why would any of us answer no to Jesus' invitation to wholeness, to healing? Why would I? And then I begin to think through, it's like, wait, have I? Am I? Are there areas in my life right now where Jesus may be coming and tapping on the door of my heart or trying to grab my attention and saying, do you want to be well? And is there any way that I'm answering no? Is there any way that any of us are answering no to that question? Maybe we wouldn't, if we were in this situation, maybe we wouldn't when it comes to physical healing. But what about the other areas of our life where Jesus wants to make us whole? What about the other areas of our life where Jesus wants to work deep healing into the wounds that we have suffered in relationships? 
What about the places of brokenness or pain or despair? What about those areas of our life where we can't find contentment? What about the areas of habits or addictions? What about the way that we use our words to talk about other people? What about the anger that rises up inside of us? What about the things that cause us to be so judgmental and cruel to people that are not like us? What about the things that keep us isolated from other people? What about those places where our trust has been shows shattered? What about our greed or our lust for more and more things, the way that we use our finances? What about the ways that we interact with one another? Are there any areas of our life where we are holding back the healing of God? I wonder, have I or have any of us become accustomed to whatever is unwell in us? Have we become accustomed to it? I think it's possible for us to become overly identified with things in us that are unwell. To say, I don't even know if I want Jesus to touch that area or to heal that area because I don't know who I am if I am not that. And so we hold Jesus in the work of the Spirit at bay. For some of us, we can even strangely take comfort in identifying with the suffering or the unwellness that we're going through. There are times that maybe we've just sort of settled. It's like, ah, this is, this is all it's ever gonna be. This is all that there ever is. I'm always going to be this way. This is who I am. This is how I am. This is how I have always been. And really, people don't change. So this is just what you got. Or there are times that we've just given up. That we have moments maybe where we'd rather live in our current state than follow Jesus into wholeness, than follow him into healing. Wonder are there areas in our lives where we are resisting Jesus' help? We're resisting Jesus' offer to wholeness. Or maybe we're ignoring it. Jesus is trying to get our attention. We're like, yeah, Jesus, not that area. What I would really like you to do is work on this over here in that person. That would be wonderful. <laughs> Can we just leave this area alone? Or other areas where we're refusing the, the gifts that Jesus has for us. Where he's laying out before us relationships that can bring healing to us. Mental health professionals that can bring healing to us. Opportunities to get involved in, whether it's EH or Celebrate Recovery or things that are set before us. And we're like, you know what, I don't, I don't really want to do that, Jesus. Can you do it another way? Because I don't want the things inside of my life that are broken or hard to be known by other people. So if you could just fix it without us having to do any work, that would be wonderful. <laughs> could you just do that? But other areas where we just avoid it's like, I'm just gonna pretend like it's not there. And maybe if I avoid it and if I pretend, then maybe no one else will know either. And I can just hide it away. Perhaps the core of Jesus' question, do you want to be well, is Jesus is trying to assess our willingness to cooperate with him in the process of wholeness either by faith or by will or usually a combination of both, that Jesus is looking for us to engage in trusting participation, to follow him in the way that leads to life and to trust that eventually along that way, Jesus will bring life and healing and wholeness to us. We want God just to fix it, but he seems insistent on our involvements. 
and it's infuriating, but it's how he works. Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your mats, and walk. Immediately the man was well, and he picked up his mats, and he walks. Jesus made the man well, but the man also did what Jesus asked. You notice how both things are involved in there? He says, get up. And the man got up and he picked up his mat and he walked. Jesus initiated, but the man responded. Jesus gave grace and he obeyed. There's moments of trusting participation in this. Then there are moments in our lives like this man where wholeness is instantaneous. There's something just changes for him. But interestingly, Jesus finds him again later in this story and starts talking to him about his character and the way that he's going to live now that he's healed. As if there's more work to be done. Besides just the physical aspect, Jesus wants a deeper wholeness and freedom and life to come to him. There are moments when wholeness happens instantaneously, but most of the time it's realized slowly as we walk with Jesus. And we trust him and we follow him in the way. Now that day was the Sabbath and the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, see this guy who's been laying by the pool for 38 years. He says, it's the Sabbath. You're not allowed to carry your mat. And he answered, well, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mats and walk. And they inquired, well, who's that guy? (laughs) Who's the man that said to you, pick it up and walk? In the Old Testament, God's people were given Sabbath. They were given Sabbath as a gift, a day of rest on the seventh day in order to protect the gift that God had given them. God commanded them to set it apart and to do no work on that day in order to receive the gift well. In the first century, as Israel suffered under uh, Roman occupation, the practice of Sabbath took on greater significance. And many people believed that if Israel followed the law perfectly, especially in relationship to circumcision and Sabbath and the dietary laws, if they could just do all of it right, then God would rescue them and restore his kingdom. But then when the kingdom blossoms right in front of them, they can't see it. Do you notice the question they ask? Who is it that told you that you could pick up your mat and walk? Who told you that? Sabbath is a good thing. And helping others keep Sabbath is a good thing. But they were excessively focused on a perceived violation that they missed the kingdom in their midst. They did not ask the most important question. They did not ask the question that mattered then and still matters now. They didn't ask the question, who's the man who made you well? They didn't ask, who's the man who made you whole? I wonder how many times we're asking all of the wrong questions. And because we're asking the wrong questions, we miss Jesus and we miss his kingdom. How often do we miss Jesus because we're asking the wrong questions? And how many times do we miss Jesus because we're not listening to the questions that he's asking us? And the question that he sets before each and every single one of us every day and in this moment as we come to the table, Jesus is asking us the question, do you want to be well? Do you want to be whole? As Mike and the worship team and Evan come to lead us to the table, I want us to take just a moment in silence here and maybe close your eyes, open your hands, whatever a posture of prayer looks like for you. Can you imagine Jesus standing in front of you right now? Can you imagine Jesus coming to you? 
and asking you the question, do you want to be well? And do you find, is there any resistance inside of you? Any situation where you want to ask different questions or talk about different things? Any ways where you're like, Jesus, I do want to be well, but only on my terms or only in my way and not really the ways that you're laying out before me? There are areas of life where maybe we've overly identified with our own brokenness and we're resistant to the grace of God. Are there moments where we're insisting on God doing something immediately and he wants to take us on a slow walk toward healing? Or are there other moments where he's saying, get up, get off your mat, and we're just unwilling to take the first step toward change? Would you ask Jesus today at the table to help you? Would you say, Jesus, I do want to be well. Would you heal even my resistance? Let's come to the table today. Our answer is yes, so we come again to the table. This is Jesus's table. And all who believe in Jesus as the true king of the world are welcome to receive regardless of church background or your affiliation in church. But if that doesn't describe you, thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us this morning in worship. We're honored that you're here and we encourage you, keep coming back. Keep asking questions about Jesus. But if you are ready to begin following Jesus for the first time or the first time in a long time, we invite you to join as we confess our sin and ask for forgiveness and trust him for salvation yet again. The words of confession are on the screen. Let's say it together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought and word and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. So it is my joy this morning to announce to you good news, words that are true, not because I am saying them, but because of what God has done. So would you open up your hands and receive again this mercy of God, that Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners, and this proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. The peace of the Lord be with you. As those who have been made well, have been raised to new life, would you stand together and greet those around you and pass the peace of Christ to one another? Beloved, Jesus is here. 
So lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. It is right, all over this room, all over this space, we give you the thanks for coming and making us well. It is a good and joyful thing to give thanks to you, Father Almighty. You're the one who formed us in your image and you breathed your life into us. When our love has failed, your love has remained steadfast. When we're unfaithful, you sent your son to be faithful on our behalf. And on the night that he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. When he had blessed it, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. And so we, in remembrance of God's mighty acts in Christ Jesus, proclaim together this mystery of faith, that Christ has died, that Christ is risen, and that Christ will come again. Would you open up your hands, heavenward, or stretch them out over the elements as we pray? Holy Spirit, come. Father, pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts of bread and wine. May they be for us the body and blood of Jesus, that we may be for the world the body of Jesus, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Jesus, one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Jesus returns in final victory. Amen. Amen, I wanna invite the servers up now. Beloved, these are the gifts of God. Thank you, David, thank you, Carmen. The gifts of God given for us, the people of God. Receive them in remembrance that Jesus died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. This is your first time here. You can watch those around you for how we do a processional communion, or you can scan the QR code for our full list of instructions. If you're unable to come forward, please just ask someone around you to go through the line for you and bring the elements back to you. If you're in the balcony, there's some elements in the corner. You can come downstairs on my left, your right. This is the table. It is set. Jesus says, come to this healing space again. Let's worship together as we come again.
So blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, and oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, I'm 
commoner of salvation, a purchase of God, and I'm born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. So this is my story. This is my song. I'm praising my Savior and all the day long. Yeah, this is my story. And this is my song. I'm praising my Savior. The day long, so perfect submission and perfect delight, and visions of rapture, and now burst on my side, and angels descending. From above, and echoes of mercy, whispers of love. So, this is my story, this is my song. I'm praising my Savior. Perfect submission, and all is at rest. And I, in my Savior, am happy and blessed. I'm watching and waiting, and looking above.
Can we just sing this together? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him. Wait for it. There it is. As we close today, if there's anything that you came in with that we can join you in prayer before you leave, those who served you communion are now your prayer and ministry team. They'll be here for as long as you want, as long as you need. Reminder that Ash Wednesday is this week, three days away, this Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. here in this very room, Palmer High School. And as you go, you don't just leave this place. We believe that you are sent out into the world to be lights and salt. So would you open up your hands and receive a blessing? Beloved, you have been healed in Jesus Now go on being healed and living that out. This week, I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to have the desire and the discipline to be disciples of Jesus. And that as you go, you would go in power, that where places are dark, you would be the very carriers of his presence of light. Where places are hopeless, you would bring his hope. Where places are lonely, you would bring his welcome and companionship and the fellowship of the saints where places are lost, that you would go and find people and call them to Jesus, even as he has found us. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. May he turn to you and be gracious to you and grant you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now go, be the light, shine brightly, stay salty. We'll see you Wednesday and next Sunday and around town. God bless.